Welcome back to your weekly transfer show on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Joining me today, Dan, how we doing, my man? All good, my man. Seven good. days and counting. Let's do it. I tell you, seven days to go till the season opens. But not only that, we did predict that this transfer window would come alive very soon. And boy, where we proved right. Um, news breaking Nothing. the other day. Of course, we're going to be talking about Lionel Messi. We're going to be talking about the impact of him potentially leaving and going to PSG. What effect that's going to have on La Liga with this huge refinancing thing that they're going through at the moment, selling off 10% of the league to CVC. Um, what impact that will have on the likes of Aguero and Memphis, who are also sitting there waiting to be registered in the same boat as Messi, but obviously not at the same financial level. We're going to be talking about Lukaku to Chelsea is absolutely imminent. They want to get him tied down by Sunday, so they have him available and registered for Wednesday for the Super Cup, which is interesting. We're also going to be talking about many, many other developments in the transfer window at the moment. Grealish, obviously, more or less completed. Um, He's now a city boy. Seems very happy looking at the videos yesterday. He was over the moon. Got the number 10 jersey as well, which I've seen a video where he looks stoked. But let's get into this anyway. If you want to contact the show, of course, you can drop your comments down below on the YouTube episode. You can also contact us on the upper tier on Facebook and Instagram. And you'll also get us on Twitter at the underscore upper underscore tier. Let's get into this then. Nowhere else to start but Lionel Messi. The Eiffel Tower is booked for the 10th of August by Absolutely. PSG. I think this is one of the, like, the biggest shocks in recent football history, regardless of the situation last summer when he, when he said he wanted to leave. You know, I think we all kind of thought in the back of our minds that that will, will be resolved. You know, same as Steven Gerrard at Liverpool, you know. Um, yeah, it's completely another shock. Um, it sent a wave through world football, you know. Um, just, I actually can't, I can't believe it. You know, all good things come to an end and being a Liverpool fan, you know, and not necessarily having any love towards Barcelona, um, you know, it's still any footballing fan, you know, in my, especially in my era, you've grown up with Lionel Messi being the best player, you know, Messi to us is what Maradona may be to you, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, when it broke down on, on Thursday evening that there was no going back and it couldn't be, they, they just couldn't come to an agreement. It's just absolutely... It's just madness, you know. I can only imagine what the Barca fans think of all this, you know. Imagine that there's going to be uproar over there. Um, and then with this this equity sale to the CVC, is it, of La Liga for 2.5 billion. And the the, the wage cap and st- or the salary cap and stuff like that that's in place over there. Just I don't think we ever thought we'd see the day that he'd, he'd walk away from Barcelona. And until we actually see him in the PSG short, no. Who's to say, you know, Pep might look now at offloading maybe Sterling, Mares, Jesus. That's a frightening thought if he ends up at, at Man City. But yeah, the, the, the obvious outlook is PSG. But yeah, sent a massive shock through football. I actually can't believe it. Um, and just some interest, I just reading a report this morning. Um, the media pro founder, Wame Rores, um, he wrote on behalf of Marcel last night. Um, that if, like this had all been agreed, like the, I, I think there's more to this Noel than than meets the eye because apparently La Liga had sanctioned the go ahead for this, like that there was no problems, and that this could be more that in house that he's trying to push out. Now I, I don't necessarily believe that, but you know, contrary reports coming out, you know, there's a lot of. Mark, the Marseille uh, reporters and journals will be like really, really highly affiliated with Real Madrid. So they'll obviously try and spin the yarn and try and twist the knife in. But it will all come out eventually. But I just, I actually can't believe it. Though. I don't necessarily have any care or love towards Barcelona. But as I said, like Messi's our generation to Maradona and just the same walkway in Barcelona 19 years later. It's, um, you know, it's, it is a sad day. You know, because we we all necessarily thought that he was going to be there forever. We he'd go away and he'd live the dream in America for a year or two, and he'd come back and he'd eventually one day one day be fucking manager, then fucking chairman, you know, president, everything. We Barcelona was Messi, and Messi was Barcelona, and just like that, it's done. Yeah, I just think it's um, 
you know, with both of us also being pro wrestling fans as well, we talk about the draw value of a performer and who puts the bums and seats. And when you think about La Liga over the last, say, 10, 15 years or whatever it is, it's really been the Messi and the Ronaldo show, hasn't it really? That has been the draw that's pumped the value of La Liga up to where it is, really. I know there's always been world-class players in there all down through the years, but these two guys are an exception. Probably two of the best players to ever play the game and probably two of the best players we'll ever see in our lifetime without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this this was not sorry. This was this was the end of the article from this guy over that's writing on behalf of market. The last two paragraphs can say we can reliably assure because I have verified it that the issue of Messi's registration with La Liga was fully agreed and agreed upon days uh, agreed upon for days. Forty eight hours ago, the agreement was ready to be announced, but something happened. I do not know what happened, but something bad happened. This will all come out in the end, but. The knock-on effect that this is going to have at Barcelona. There's talks coming out of Spain this morning that the club is on the verge of collapsing. Can you imagine world football without Barcelona? Aguero wants out now because the, the, the only reason he signed was because he wanted to play with Messi. And that's gone now. The, 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 the slight even inkling of thought that Barcelona could collapse as a football club. And it's their own doing it. They've done this to themselves. I, done it to I, I suppose when you look at the financials and you look at what they've done over the last in the Bartomeu era and stuff like that, is it really surprising? I mean, when you look at some of these contracts that were being handed out to PK, when you look at the money on the contracts they were handing out to basically average players being brought in, and then we've spoken a number of times about our distaste for the Holland deal and the money that's going around and the talk of that. I mean, the money that they're talking about here in relation to Messi, it makes Haaland look like a championship player in terms of his deal. It's when off I, the scale. When I when I told me dad how much Messi was on a week, and then we looked at his sponsor, because he did, when I told him what he was on a week, and he looked at me, he said, that's bullshit. And I said, dad, there is in black and white. And then you add on the sponsors, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's frightening. And... I don't want to pinpoint him and I don't want to point the stick, like point the finger at Messi because, you know, for the service he's given to Barcelona. But surely to God, five, six, seven years ago, he's seen this on the horizon. And if he was Barcelona through and through, he could easily have went in there and said, I'm on too much money, way too much money. You know, the money he's making from Adidas, the sponsors he has with Pepsi, everything like that was made, could have easily made up the other half of the wages. And I'm not just saying just him, but when players are coming into Barcelona, they're coming in to play with Messi. It's as simple as that, mm. you know, and the slow decline and they, they're trying to bring in these panic boys, you know, trying to get them, get the, get themselves back up with Real Madrid and catch, like, the league is, is playing catch up with English football for me at the moment mm. because, as I said at the end of the season, the, the, the declining standard in European football is, is scary. Yeah. Um, you know, Real Madrid are in a bit of a financial situation, but they will come back. But I just don't see any comeback from Barcelona. Barcelona need to go out and win three or four Champions Leagues in a row. They need to go out and win 10 La Ligas in a row. That's not going to happen. Look at look at the way Atletico Madrid have done things over the years. You look at the business of Suarez last summer. Barcelona have done this to themselves, Noel. And as, as horrible as the thought is of football without Barcelona, you know... To point the finger at them and say they've done it themselves, it's the only obvious, um, obvious reason for it because this could have all been nipped in the bud. Yeah, I, su- I suppose the question from me as a football fan and as a football supporter, obviously a diehard Liverpool fan as well, but I'm a football fan as well, and I don't like to see teams go out of business. We spoke about it last year when Barry went out of business in the football league and stuff like that. Regardless of the level that you're at, I mean, Barcelona has entertained us for years, but there has to be a moral question there as well in terms of this sport that we love. If a player can sit across the table from a club and be looking for upwards of six, seven hundred million over a four year period, and he's sitting there looking for a 30 or a 40 million renewal fee and a 20 million fee for this and a 10 million fee for that and a 20 million fee for this. Like, where, where's, where's, the sport and the fair play and all the stuff that UEFA and FIFA and all these leagues promote, talking about grassroots and stuff like that. And I also looked, I dig deep into this CVC deal there the other day. 
this 2.7 billion for 10% stake in the league. And the plan for that money obviously was to bolster the clubs financially and stuff like that. But the reality of that money is the vast bulk of that money is going to end up at Barcelona and Real Madrid to sort both those clubs out. And the real, the real dilemma for that as well is you have clubs then at the bottom end of that league who are in dire need of money and even grassroots football in Spain who would require some of that funding. And most of that funding is going to be used to sort out the messy situation. And like I'm thinking, all these clubs are going to then have a stake in Messi's contract, not in terms of legally, but in terms of they're all funding this guy to stay. And I just thought there's also a moral question in relation to that as well, that if you're a Malaga, you know, or a, or a Bilbao or something like that, and you're saying... For a small club like Cadiz or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who literally probably scrape and boy week by week. Like, it's mm. fucking... It's, it's mental that this is going on in football. And you look at... I completely agree with the salary cap. I think we, we spoke about it a number of times on the Monday matchup. Mm. There should be a salary cap in football. Now, you understand now you, with the Messi situation, you have Man City fans coming out of Woodwalk, you have PSG fans coming out of Woodwalk, Chelsea fans coming out of Woodwalk. And I'm not disrespecting those fans because if Liverpool were in the situation where they could go and offer Messi a contract, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here saying, no, I don't want them. You know what I mean? You'd be crazy to say that. We have fans coming out of Woodwalk saying, now, oh, no, why should there be a salary cap? It's, it's a rich man's uh, playground, you know. Uh, if we have the money to go and get the best players, like the teams down the bottom need to worry about themselves and staying in business and all. That's the, the, the completely wrong. Because that's the same way as looking at it and saying, well, what about the school? What about the grassroots football? That's like saying, well, well we're going to keep all the money for ourselves. And these schoolboy kids, yeah, they can go out in the same jerseys week in, week out. And then when they take them off, someone else can put them on. It's it's absolutely... The, the last couple of years in football, Noel, the, the, not the love of the game, but to see what's going on in the background, to see the money that players are, are, are saying they want. It's not asking for, it's the, player, the money that they want. If you want me to come here, this is how much I want. You know, when, when, remember the time when, not, not, I'm not going to say Liverpool, remember the time like Man United could go out and say to a 16-year-old kid, there's a there's a young lad from from Kimmage or from Manatown in in Crumlin. Um, Paddy Lee is his name. Alex Ferguson arrived at his house. I mentioned him to you about trying to get him onto for a chat. Mm. Um, best footballer I ever played with. Absolutely scary with a football. Unfortunately, Paddy's gone down a bit of a dark road at the moment, and he tell you himself, you know, he's lived a river rough uh, life since he came back from Manchester. Alex Ferguson knocked at his house and offered his mum and dad a washing machine. A fucking washing machine. Now, I know he was only a kid. Paddy Lee told me, he said, they know, Man United was my team. They didn't need to offer me anything. Once Alex Ferguson was at my door, that's all I needed. Now you have the likes of Alfie, uh, uh, Erling Haaland, saying that his dad wants 10 million. Minoriola wants 10 million. Like, they're telling the clubs what they want. If you want to play for that club, if you want to play with this team or this player, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z, once they, they sit you down, look, for instance, Saul Niguez, we're hearing rumours that he wants massive wages. Like, I, I don't understand this. Is, is 100 grand a week not enough for some players? And that, that's, being, that's being generous. 100 grand a week is frightening. We, we mentioned, you mentioned the numbers there on Messi's contract situation. That would keep the whole of the English Football League outside the Premier League in business for about 20 years. Yeah, I think the, the problem that you have as well is you, you can't necessarily, there's, there's certainly a portion of the blame in terms of the moral compass that sits with the player. But it's the governing bodies and, the, the you know, the way they've carried on for years in terms of corruption and all this kind of stuff. They've allowed this to happen. There's no doubt about it. They've allowed this, they've allowed the business and the sport that we love to grow exponentially out of control. And when you're talking about these type of figures, I know sometimes we turn around and we go, let's say, you know, Roy Kane signed for three and a half million or whatever it was with Man United. So in this, in these days, money, that might be 70, 80, 90 million, whatever it is, and you extrapolate it up, that's fine. But there's no extrapolating up the likes of Messi's money or Neymar's money or someone like that in conjunction with back then because it's so off the scale, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I just think it just... 
you know, it doesn't sit well with me. And I know you're talking now. Man City have ruled themselves out of it. They've no interest in this at all. They said, look, we've just spent 100 million on Jack Grealish. So they're, they're done in terms of that. There's no way they're bringing in Messi. And the, the problem that you have of bringing in a player like that as well and that type of money is the net effect it has on the rest of the players around them and also the effect it has in terms of the management side of things, in terms of a manager. Like you think if Messi goes into PSG now, you've got him there, Neymar there. The talk is Mbappe apparently wants out if Messi comes in, which I'm not surprised. But like You can't leave the three there in the same team. It's the, Imagine the way, just, just for them three alone. Yeah. But, just, but just think about it from this point of view. Where does it leave Pochettino? I mean, he has to try and manage the situation now. So is this going to be with Messi, where the team is picking itself through Messi again, and basically he's just wearing a different colour jersey and kicking ball on a different look, pitch? You look at the relationship that Messi and Neymar have there. If, if Mbappe does leave there, you, who's going to be the Billy Big Bollocks? Who's going to be running the rules there? And then eventually, Noel, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I just think eventually in the back of my mind, you're going to have a... If, if that comes down to a Mexican standoff where it's Messi and Neymar sticking the chest down saying we are this club mm-hmm. that then PSG are in massive massive trouble but just going back to the like the repercussions on all sides here this this for me leaves La Liga in um, in dire straits because you think about Noel trying to revive the tourism industry after a pandemic right there's a lot a lot of people that go over to Barcelona to watch Messi yeah. you know what I mean and and like it might sound strange that well they're only football fans. You'd be surprised how many tourists head over to Spain. You're going over to the sunshine, you know what I mean? You're going into the Barca store, you know, that Nike stuff isn't we've seen it with Liverpool stuff, that Nike stuff isn't cheap, you know. The the impact it's gonna have on sponsors too, you know. Yeah. They, they, a lot of people are gonna take the eye off the Spanish game now with Messi walking away. There's no Ronaldo anymore, there's no Messi anymore, you know what I mean? Well see it's, it's- it's, it's not only that as well. You're going to have Aguero knocking on the door, as you said. He's already yep. instructed his legal team to go through the contract to find a loophole to get out. Where does it leave Memphis? Yep. Memphis is after getting... We spoke about Memphis during the Euros after getting his ideal dream to go play for Barcelona. Will he now want to be there? Is the situation toxic? Then you've got Anzi Fatu who's coming through. You know what I mean? Is he going to want to be there? Pedri, is he going to want to be there? You know, I mean, obviously the likes of Biscuits will stay, the likes of PK will stay because they're on money. Where They're not going to go anywhere to get money, anything like what they got there because the deals are stupid. But I'd say there's a lot of players at Barcelona this morning waking up going, is it time to knock on the door? Um, is it time to move on? Is the Barcelona dream done and dusted? And you'd fear, as you said, you'd fear for the club and also all the surrounding tourism that it brings. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's, I'm sure there's dozens and dozens of businesses in that Barcelona region there that rely heavily on the success of that team and the players that are there. So that, and let's be honest, every time a tourist or a foreigner walks into a like a Barcelona shop or a jersey shop in Spain, it's messy on the back of the jersey, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent. Even like when we went to New York for WrestleMania, my missus went over. Um, went over for she went over the tour scene and came back on the, the Monday morning just to get away because I was over in New York you know she was just sitting around it the, the, the young lad was on the midterm and they decided to, to go over to Spain for a few days and they went down to the Barca they went down to the new camp two days on the spin um, you know they went down on a bus tour they done half it and then they went down the following day and done the other half just to spread out you know didn't want to be rushing it and of course, as soon as he got in there, because well, he was he would have been twelve at the time, and as soon as he got in there, it was just messy this, messy that, and you can imagine there's millions of kids all over the world that is messy mad, regardless of whether they support Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, Spurs, everyone, all the kids love Messi and Ronaldo. Now Real Madrid were lucky that when Ronaldo stepped away, they, they were still having kind of having success, and you know the money is still coming in, and you know. They're funded by the King of Spain and Real Madrid will always be there. You know what I mean? Barcelona don't have the luxury of, you know, finances just continuously rolling in. And Messi stepping away from that picture, it's a dark day over, not just Barcelona, but Spanish football. That, the knock-on effect, the, the circus that this is going to, like, what, there's three weeks left in the transfer window? The knock-on effect this is going to have in football. If you're a neutral fan and you have no worries about who your team is signing, you're getting the popcorn ready because the next three weeks are going to be crazy. 
do La Liga look at this now and say, well, what about the financial mire that we're going to be in? And do they step in and beg Barcelona to take their help, which is only going to relieve to uh, like a rebel from the teams below Real Madrid and Barcelona? And the worrying thing about this is, Noel, the hatred Barcelona and Real Madrid have for each other. Apparently, they've been in talks to, to join together and go against La Liga. So this is what it's come to. Two, two, two rivals that absolutely despise each other. That if Real Madrid went out of business, Barcelona would be happy. If Barcelona went out of business, Real Madrid would be happy. The fact that they're even talking now of coming together to go against the Liga and sort this out, that just shows you the power in Spain. Well, this was this this was the upshot from the Super League, wasn't it? I mean, this is why all these big teams. And they still haven't backed down. Yeah, but I also think as well. I think CVC are going to have to have a look at the deal as well now because obviously with Messi gone and stuff like that and a number of other issues there with Barcelona um, is La Liga valued now still at that 26 to 28 billion or whatever it is you know what I mean so that's going to be interesting if see if that deal actually proceeds you know and um, imagine imagine it came down to it no we won't just stick on this subject for too long because we're doing a transfer show imagine it came down to it the Barcelona turn around and said we're going on streak hmm. Can you imagine, like, I know it's it's kind of last case and like worst case scenario. Can you imagine those two clubs turning around and saying, we're going on a streak. We'll just play Champions League football. Because it's two different governing bodies. UEFA can't step in there. Mm. This is down to necessarily the Liga and the financial like predicament that they're in. It, it is, but we've seen with the Super League that when stuff like that breaks, that the, the, the local governing body for the league, like La Liga and stuff like that, they did move to, to side with UEFA to get these things resolved. So they can come together and they can enforce certain things. The thing I would say, Real Madrid and Barcelona are in no position to be striking about anything because they're absolutely at poverty door at this stage. So yeah. they'd be in serious trouble if the funding from La Liga stops coming in. The other thing I'd say about the CVC deal is I'm wondering if they poured that money in, is it just kicking the can down the street a little bit? Because the issues aren't still being tackled in terms of how they financially operate. Um, and I also mentioned, I mean, we did a messy show last night with Craig, and I also mentioned on that as well, where was the financial directors in all of this? Where was the accountants and the financial directors advising Barcelona? Remedy? There's a lot of dirty, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dirty hands in players that were in Barcelona. And when Bartholomew walked away, he knew what he was walking away from. He knew the shitstorm that was on the horizon. And I'd say when he walked away, there was a lot of foils put into shredders and a lot of hard drives are dumped into foils now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into some transfers then. I mean, yeah. obviously, Messi. <laughs> I mean, this this is still a transfer news because it's Messi. He's the biggest player in the world, the big one of the biggest clubs in the world. And like him leaving his shockwaves and going to PSG. So we had to we had this talk about it. But Lukaku to Chelsea looks like it's going to be complete on Sunday. They want to register the player by Monday and they're looking to have him play in the Super Cup next week. Um, I think from Chelsea's point of view, I think this is a great bit of business. I think this really sets them up for the season. They now have that clinical goal scorer up front who's on fire. Um, and it's a frightening prospect to think of him, Ziyech, Havertz, Werner, Pulisic and all these players up front for Chelsea next season. Yeah, it's a talk about a rich man's playground. Lukaku coming in and kind of takes the burden off uh, Werner then, you know what I mean? Because I did say that, you know, if Kane was to come in or Haaland was to come in, I did see him leaving. Um, I think he'd be just happy if someone like Lukaku coming in and um, what's the guy's name off? Seville, the, the centre-back that we were talking about last week. We seem to talk about oh, him every Kunde. week. Kunde. Kunde as well coming in. Um, a couple of other names being thrown around. I think that we're not be more than happy to sit there. We would have heard by now if there was any inkling of, of him leaving with Lukaku coming in. But just think, Lukaku coming in, this puts puts Man City and Chelsea on a par for me. Um, you know, and I'm just hoping, I said yesterday in the group chat, I hope Liverpool can just go under the radar regarding the season. Mm. Um, you know, just go about air business. We're not going to be able to worry about what, what them two are up to, but that's going to be a war of attrition at the top of the table. Um, you know, I did say, how do Man City get better? You know, Jack Grealish created 100, over 100 chances last year. Um, looks like they're easing off on the Harry Kane situation. Um, Pep said yesterday that 
if sports don't want to play ball, they won't play ball, which leads me to believe that there is someone else in, in the picture for Man City because Pep's not going to go another season with just um, Jesus up top and having to play the Bruyne up there as a false nine at times. Um, there has to be someone else in the picture. But um, for, for Chelsea fans, it's, it's just an extraordinary time. You know, I said when, when Lampard took over that, he wasn't the man for the job. It was too big, too soon. The expectation at Chelsea with the money being able to pump into the squad again. You know, he did go out and make some some good signings. You know, he brought Mason Mount through. And for me, Mason Mount is the man to lead that team um, next season. Um, the homegrown lad, you know, he knows what the club means through and through. But Lukaku coming in to, to prove a point, to, not just to Chelsea, but to kind of ram it down Man United's throat as well, that you were wrong not to to get behind me. Look what I did last year and fired into Milan to the league. And, you know, it's even as a Liverpool fan, I'm so excited for the Premier League next season. If we're not going to win it, whoever does win the league next year, Noel, is going to be absolutely insanely brilliant yeah. because it's going to be a war of attrition at the top. Just, just that's why I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for Liverpool to get the ball rolling. I'm super excited to go to Anfield, but you know, we've missed football so much this season with the full crowds back and all. It's going to be insane next season. And players like Lukaku coming in, you know, it's just, yeah. as I said, it's kind of just brushing the rest of Europe aside. Absolutely. Let's move on. Grealish completed his move to Man City. I seen a video yesterday where he uh, he walked into the, the changing room at Man City, which to me just looks like a scene from a, a spaceship or something. It looks amazing. Like, and he walks over, sees the jersey hanging on the wall with the number 10 on it. And he was just like, he was like a kid who actually found Santa at the North Pole. He said, and like, he was like a big child. You could see it in his face. He couldn't believe they had given him the number 10 jersey. And he was so stoked by it. Um, which I think it's kind of nice to see as well, because we sometimes think that these players with so much money and stuff like that, are so aloof and stuff like that. And there's just a, a an expectation or a given that these things should happen. But when it happens and you see that it means so much to a kid like Grealish, I mean, forget at times as well, these are kids in a monster's world when you think about it, you know what I mean? But it was great to yeah. see that video of him. So like, he was nearly embarrassed at the fact that they had given him the number 10 shirt, but he was still stoked at the same time. So it was nice to see that, you know, um, but super yeah, super move again, regardless of who you support. Um, you know, he paid his dues to Aston Villa. You know, I was I was listening to him talking about the love affair he has for Aston Villa. Do you know what I appreciate about this now? When someone like Man City comes in, you look at the way Sterling was at Liverpool. You know, when Barcelona came in for Coutinho, you look at the way he went on. He just went about his business. Didn't come out saying, yeah, he'd love to go there. No one in his camp came out and talked about loving to go there. They didn't throw toys out of pram, you know. And then you hear Christian Proslow coming out and talking about the, the raw emotion when Jack actually turned around to him and said, look, I can't turn this down. You know, just genuine raw talent. You know, he's the future of English football. I said, I talked about last week, I said that, that uh, Phil Foden would be the England standout player in, in the Euros. Jack Grealish, when he was when he was called upon, he was absolutely frightening. He came on in a couple of games and won the game for England. Mm. Um, and it's as disheartening as it is that someone like he didn't sign for 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 air beloved Reds. You know, I, I just think he's taken to a whole new level next season. And for me, worth every penny of the hundred million. Mm. You absolutely. know, worth every penny of it. I suppose closely linked to this move as well. I mean, we have to talk about the project at Aston Villa at the moment, which looks really, really good. I mean, we seen there during the week, Leon Bailey signed, fantastic player, but I still think has not near reached his potential yet at this stage. But there's also talk that they're interested in Tammy Abraham. They're also interested in Tumsebi coming in. And I think Danny Ings went in as well. So it's an interesting project there at the moment, you know? I wouldn't be paying anything near what they want for, um, I know Ian won't take too kindly to this, but 40 million for Tammy Abraham, that's inflation at its fucking finest because he's an English player. Um, for me, Danny Ings and and uh, Ollie Watkins, you know, they could definitely lead the line there. Spend the 40 million on Tammy Abraham, who for me is going to sit on the bench. I, personally, I don't rate him. I know a lot of people disagree. I don't rate him at all, but 
Danny Ings was shrewd bit of business. I didn't see that happening at all. That was like the Fabinho to Liverpool deal. That literally just happened out of nowhere. Mm. Considering that he wouldn't sign a contract at Southampton because he wanted Champions League football. And then we had talk that he was going to go to Man City, that they were interested. There was talk that Man United were interested, you know. And then just, he's obviously been sold on the project there, Aston Villa. And I've been excited about it for two or three weeks saying that, you know, the money they get off Grealish, they're not going to spend it, like, for the sake of it. You know, when they're coming in, Leon Bailey coming in, that's an excellent bit of business. As you said, he hasn't any seen anywhere near his potential. And you'll see, for people that don't know what he's about, you know, you, you talk about the players that they've went in, Leon Bailey, Ollie Watkins, who we know will score goals in Premier League, Danny Ings, we know what he brings to the table. That's a frightening prospect of that. The Premier League is going to be so open next year. You're going to have Man City, Chelsea, you have United, Liverpool, obviously. The Lisa Leeds and Aston Villa are going about their business under the radar. And, you know, it's going to be, if you're not on, on your game on the day, these teams will hop off you, especially yeah. with the business that they're doing. Well, I suppose at this point we should mention that our, our flagship show, the Monday Mashup, is returning on Monday evening. Um, number of people very excited about that. We're getting the Banter FC club back together and everything. Um, <laughs> Graham's going to be in the middle. Graham's going to be right in the middle. Absolutely. But um, I suppose we will be talking on Monday night about what we think is going to be our potential top six for the European spots and stuff like that. And also where we feel relegation is going to go. Um, I mean, just to touch on it briefly, I mean, Aston Villa look like they're going to be a top six club, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I have me I have me six picked already. I don't want to say them now. I'm going to wait because I want everyone to be throwing them out there together and uh, taking the piss out of each other and all. But I'll just say that Aston Villa are definitely in my top six. Yeah. Unless they have a dramatic fall from grace. Mm-hmm. You know, the momentum that's there. And when you think about it as well, like Jack Grealish missed a fair share of games last season, Noel. So mm-hmm. it's not like they were highly reliant on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Adding the players like when they is done in the Premier League, Ings does it in the Premier League. Ollie Watkins proved himself last season when a lot of people doubt him coming up. Yeah. You know, so I just see the ball continuing to roll there. And I think there are a couple more signings, but they're definitely going to be in the picture. Hmm. The only thing I would say is that period when Grealish was out was the time when Villa started to fall away slightly, you know what I mean? So where there could have been wins, they sort of picked up draws and stuff like that. The other thing I'd say about um, Tammy Abraham, I mean, Tammy Abraham in the right environment, uh, you know, when he's happy and he's settled and stuff like that, there's definitely goals in that, man, because we've seen it in the championship and stuff like that. And we know it's not quite the same level as the premiership, but it's still a tough league to operate in. And he was he was prolific when he was down there, you know what I mean? So I think I think Tammy Abraham in there with Ollie Watkins, with those two guys up front, frightening and Bundia just in behind, um, could be really, really frightening as, as, a, as a, a, a triple up front. Um, maybe that, that maybe that's why though that's that's why I'm kind of not overly confident in 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 what he what he can do. Probably because last season he kind of really dropped down the pecking order, you know. Mm. Um, Lampard didn't really pick him much, you know. And Tio Shell came in and he was just setting his ways. He knew what he wanted and he was leading the line. And you know, I was going to the same team all the time. Now he did step in a couple of times and he scored a few goals in Champions League and what have you. Um, you know, go, going into Villa, like, unless they're going to rotate Danny Ings because, you know, he's, he is injury prone and what have you, you know. But look, I'm, I'm not going to write the lad off. I, I, I'd like to, obviously, I'd like to see players being successful, you know, and maybe a move away from the big egos and the superstars at Chelsea is what he needs, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, just, I just think, you know, Sometimes people look at it that way, and I think like being down the pecking order at Chelsea doesn't necessarily make you a bad player if you went to a Villa or a Southampton. Might ignite a fire underneath your belly exactly. that you have that hunger, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wolves came in and submitted apparently a ten million bid for uh, Dave Ockerigi. Um, but apparently Liverpool are holding out; they want somewhere in the region of twenty million. Um, Guess he's staying at Liverpool, so. I don't know. I still think I still think he'll go, and I think I think a Divock Origi who's playing regularly in a side, um, and who's happy and settled at a club not dissimilar to Tommy Abraham. I think we'll get your goals. There's no doubt about it. And I think twenty million. I mean, look, we got somewhere in the region of twenty-two million for Dom Solanke. 
So surely Dave Ocarigi <laughs> has to be in that 20 million somewhere, you know? I just think it's the financial restraints of the the um the COVID with Premier League teams and especially the likes of the likes of Wolves that they're not gonna just throw all their eggs into one basket. I was talking about this to a, a couple of friends and went from Liverpool um, that they they be diehard fans and you know they, they were saying that some people need to put a bit of put, put a bit of respect on Origi's name and I was like I said it last week, it's like I'll never forget some of the goals that he scored. Now he's a cult hero in a lot of people's eyes now. Like, I just don't I have no confidence and confidence in him whatsoever leading the line for Liverpool. Let's say for instance when the African Cup of Nations comes around, you know what I mean? I don't see him. If you're coming into a period where you, you have to really grind their wins to be anywhere near winning the league, I can't see him being that man to do it. But as you said, going into a team, playing like Southampton, need a striker now with Danny Ings gone. Mm. Somewhere like that be perfect. Wolves. But regarding the price tag, why not take, say, 12 14 million and he's obviously wherever he's going to go he's going to play every week so obviously say if he scores 25 goals in all competitions now practically always yeah I mean no, I get you um, a lot of clubs don't have 20 million do you know what I mean yeah, well, I'm sure they could structure the deal over time. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be 20 million exactly. in front. I mean, we look, we put clubs to the sword or that type of thing, so we have to give it a little bit the other way as well. You know, yeah. Um, news coming out Galatasaray looking to uh sign Tottenham uh player Jaffa Tanganga. I like this kid. Um, I, I think he's an ex- yeah, yeah, I, I think he's an <laughs> exceptional talent. Um, and I don't think a move to Galatasaray would be the right move for him. Um, I think he needs to stay in around that English league. Um, but probably I needs to find an Yeah, I think it's absolutely madness. You know, Mourinho gave him his chance. Um, he came in, you know, he came in at a time where sports were struggling. But, you know, put in a shift. And I just think with Romero coming in there and, you know, Nuno's a decent manager. Playing in the English league, like if if you're if you're getting rid of them for me, you got to loan them out to someone in the Premier League or someone that's going to be challenging at the top of the Championship to get them a bit of experience. Because someone like that, you know, I just I just really think that you're just giving up hope if you're just willing to just give them away to Galatasaray. For mm-hmm. you know, as you said, really like the kid, a decent defender. Mm-hmm. I just think it's madness letting him go. You know, for me, he's one for the future. You know, get him out there, get him a bit of experience. So Graham will agree. Get him out there, get him a bit of experience. You know, harden him up playing in the championship or like someone that's just come up in the in the Premier League. You know, and then look at look at the situation at the end of next season. For me, just off you go to Galatasaray is it's madness, especially for a club like Spurs. You know, not blessed with money. And also have major defensive issues. If you look at last season, they nearly a different last defense out every week. The defense more. They, they changed that defense more. Liverpool last season. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, um, we're coming out this week. Arsenal were being heavily linked with Latoura Martinez, and I looked at this and I was thinking originally, well, they're hardly going to sell Martinez and Lukaku, exactly. are they? And no. I was thinking that, like, you know, it was kind of first come, first serve. So if Lukaku moved to Chelsea, Martinez would have to stay and that the Arsenal move would collapse. But then word came out from Inter Milan this week. It sounded like that they would be open to the right offers to let both go. And I was thinking, you'd have to fear for Inter Milan then this season in the Italian league. Obviously, Juve will be back to their strongest and stuff like that. Um, but it doesn't make sense to be selling off all the crown jewels with the business they've done already, does it? No, not after the way they went to won the league last season, you know what I mean? And as, as much as Lukaku was the was the main man, you know, uh, Martinez, you know, he wasn't fucking kind of just a stand-in, stand, standboy, you know what I mean, on standboy. You know, he he done a lot to help him get that league title as well. And think of Man United selling Cavani and Rashford together or Man City turning around and getting rid of De Bruyne and... Bernardo Silva together or Liverpool selling Mo Salah and Sadio Mane together and you're thinking to yourself these are two guys who have been kind of the benchmark for the team 
for X amount of time. And I know they were in financial difficulty last season, but surely to God, the hundred million you're gonna get, hundred plus million you're gonna get for Lukaku. You keep in Martinez, and then you're just adding someone to him. You're not going to spend a hundred million replacing Lukaku, which means they can strengthen up. They lost Hakimi. For me, you're just kind of giving up on whatever your your goals are for next season. It's basically a case of one and done because getting rid of the two, then we don't see Inter Milan being anywhere near the top of the table next season. Yeah, they might get it. They won't even get a decent run in the Champions League now. Well, it's, it's an interesting pattern that's developing as well, isn't it? Because Inter Milan, yeah. not with their own financial woes. And yeah. I think this is a case of maybe having to as well, you know, which is which is kind of sad on the back of sort of breaking that Juve run and stuff like that and actually going and winning the league last year and winning it in such a such a fashion, you know what I mean? You would the, have fact that they done the fact that they, done in the, they, in, they were in financial difficulty all through last season, you know, there was talk that, you know, they, they might have to give players away just to pay wages and stuff like that. And to go and win the league, sort out that, well, to some extent, sort out the financial difficulties. They sold Hakimi. Mm. You know, obviously, Christian Eriksen probably won't play again. So he's obviously gone. Ashley Young is gone. Lukaku, mm. you know, we said at the start of summer he wanted to stay. He sat down with Inzaghi and, you know, he wanted, he was, the picture that was painted to him was good enough for him. Yeah. Obviously, he had a change of heart and he, he obviously being told, look, you need to go back to the Premier League and prove yourself, you know, because nobody kind of paints a good picture of him other than his time at Everton. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think I think, I think when a player comes out and says he's staying, what he's really actually saying to the market is get them more money. Throw another 20 million on top of what you're offering and it'll be all good. That's really the reality of it at this stage. But I think Craig mentioned it as well. Craig's a big Inter fan, of course. Craig comes on and like he's already he mentioned it. Yeah, but the appointment of Inzaghi, he was concerned about as well because he knows that Inzaghi doesn't spend money and he tends to blood youth. So we could be seeing Inter Milan going through a kind of a financial restrictive transition there where they're going to have to use a lot of players from their youth and stuff like that. And again, that can work out really well as well because sometimes you can unlock, you know, the next couple of world stars, you know, who knows who's in their youth system, you know. But um, certainly going up against Juve, he'll be fired up to wrong the rights of last season. You know what I mean? Well, I was just imagine. going to say that if you're looking at, you're looking at, if Inter Milan are looking down the road of five or six young lads coming through and these are the future, as is across Europe, Nobody has time to give two or three years to get these lads to the standard that they need to be. And now, who, come here, nobody knows who these lads are. The six lads might come through and they might go and toe to toe with Juventus and might nick the league. You know what I mean? But for me, Juventus know what they got wrong last season. You know, that hunger is going to be back there. They, they've dominated Italian football. It's not going to be the same again. And then you take out Letaro Martinez, you take out Romelu Lukaku and say, right. There's six lads over our Serie B team. They're going to come in. These are going to replace these two lads. It's not going to work. I think, though, in a post-COVID pandemic situation with the amount of money that teams have lost and stuff like that, I think a number of big teams out there you know, who we would regard as being up there in terms of European football and stuff like that and their, their own specific leagues, they're going to take two or three years to recover financially anyway, aren't they? And probably the prudent thing to do for some of these clubs at the moment that kind of are on the borderline in terms of finances would be to start using some of your youth and stuff like that and just turn around and go, well, listen, we're going to transition for two or three years, but we're going to make sure that our finances are stable. Because I, I think Barcelona is really only going to be the trigger of what's going to trickle down through Europe and what's happening. And I think this is happening a lot more and a lot of other teams. Just because you mentioned Barcelona then as well, like, I, I was thinking about this yesterday and all, like, yeah, Messi is, Adidas is like, you know, he's their big fucking, their big superstar, you know what I mean? Mm. He's the go-to guy for Adidas. Juventus are, are made by Adidas. Who's to say that Adidas don't come, turn around and say, well, we don't want him going to PSG, who are this big, huge, nice global brand, you know what I mean? And say, really well, look what we did with Pogba's wages. He's kind of being a fucking, you know, a damn squib. Let's let's get on the bandwagon here. And Messi goes into Turin like that. 
everyone's always wanted Ronaldo. I know you're shaking your head there, I think now it's a bit too much, but now, I was thinking about last night and like you talk about like sports brands wanting to get behind their big, big player. And imagine Messi going into Juventus and Adidas turning around and saying, We'll pay half his wages. They're gonna make it back in short sales and that kind of thing. It's it's a lot of short sales to make back that type of bread. I mean, we're talking huge money here, you know what I mean? And not only yeah. that, it's not only that you see, it's the effect that it has. If that was to happen, what's going to be the trigger reaction to that? The first thing you're going to get is Ronaldo knocking on the door going, oh, I want another 50 or 100 million. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, that's, and that's the problem, you see, because... You know, those two guys there who have been the epitome of football for over the last 10, 15 years and stuff like that, you know, they're the first two names that people think of when they think of football and stuff like that. It's, it, yeah, it's just not going to happen. You know I mean? It just will not happen. Um, I suppose on the back, I mean, we'll touch on these briefly, but I mean, we're going to be getting into it this week with the Shankly Sessions anyway. Um, great to see these guys all signing their new contracts. Obviously, Trent's was the first, really. And now Fabinho has... a. Uh, has done the same, absolutely delighted and so happy to be re-signing. But then the big one really for me was Alisson coming out, signing one, a six-year one, um, which yeah. to me was absolutely... Takes him up to the end of his career till he's 34. Yeah, which was absolutely, to me, was absolutely massive. But it also signaled to me that these are the spine of the team and the top players in there, if you like it. And they're saying our concern in terms of signing players and stuff like that they don't seem concerned by this. So they would obviously know the inner workings of a plan. If you've got Alisson, a player like Alisson, who could go to most teams in the world, is probably the best keeper in the world, more or less. Oh, he um, is the best keeper yeah. in the world. His, his, um, his representatives would be looking at a hell of a lot more than just money and what's offered on the table. They would be looking at what's the plan for Liverpool. As you said, he's coming into, this would be his last big contract. He'll want to know that the silverware at the end of that or success are being heavily competitive in that period. So sometimes when we get very frustrated about players not coming in and we want to get players over the line, stuff like that, there's clearly a plan. And clearly that plan is satisfying Alisson in terms of his new contract. Um, satisfying them all. Like Trent could walk into any team in world football. Verde van Dijk can walk into any team in world football. Fabinho can walk into any team in world football. Mo Salah can. You know, to get literally right through, because we believe Salah is going to be next, that he wants to stay, and he's more than happy. And that's that was one of my fears. If we got, if you went back to the start of the Shanky sessions, and one of my fears coming into the summer was that we thought we were going to sell Sadio or we were going to sell Mo. And, you know, I was saying to myself, I'm not going to be surprised if Mo goes and, you know, he's won the Champions League and he's won the Premier League and he's broke all the... The, the chap is breaking records. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to retire soon and he's just like, I need to get all of this done so we can just walk away and say, I've done this. You know what I mean? He's only going to get better. You know what I mean? But to look at that Liverpool team and get Alisson, Van Dijk is going to get one. Yeah. Uh, Fabinho... And Mo, that's mm. literally a straight line through the team. That's your main man up top. Mm. You're, you're the best goalkeeper in the world. You know, you fans, City fans, Chelsea fans, don't give a fuck what you say. That's your best centre half in the world. Mm. And then Fabinho is up on a, a level with N'Golo Kante for me. You know what I mean? What mm. he does, what we missed when he wasn't sitting in front of the defence. You know what I mean? It was clear as day. And we screamed about it week in, week out, saying Fabinho needs to sit in front of the defence. Look at the end of the season when he was sitting in front of the defence. To get those four guys to it down to 2025, 2026, you know what I mean? I'm just frustrated, Noel, because not only last summer, but the summer before, I, I was like, finally, the names are going to come in. Now, I wasn't sitting here thinking... 200 million silence. I just thought we were going to get these well-known names that were going to come in. And it's just, you know what I'm like. I can't hide my frustration. And it's the only reason that I just, I'm continuously going on about it. Now, who's to say that we go in, we don't come out now and before the season starts and get two signings done if we get Shakiri and Origio. But to get that spine of the team, as well as Trent, you know, he's a future captain of Liverpool. To get them tied up is a massive statement for the club. See, the look as well, when I'm looking at this as well, I'm thinking there couldn't be a better time to be re re renegotiating these contracts and tying these guys down. Because if you think of someone like a Mo Salah, he's nowhere really to go now because Barca's in dire straits, Real's in dire straits, 
Inter's in dire straits. Juve has probably settled. PSG has probably done their business. So, like, where else can these guys go, really? Bayern, and, and, you know and, how yeah, Bayern what, operates. Well, not just saying that as well as saying, oh, well, he only signed a new contract because he had nowhere else to go. We do no. firmly believe that he's staying at the club because he, we, we, I sent you the screenshot from yesterday that the, the main priority this summer was we got Champions League football is get the, the boys all on new contracts. You know, yeah. I do believe the Henderson situation will, will be resolved. You know, and then next summer is when the, I believe it when I see it, but the picture being painted now is that the, the main priority this summer is get the contracts done. We have a few good lads coming through. Mm. Touch wood, we don't get any injuries, but we have still got 14, 15 players that can go and challenge Man City. Now, who's to say Man City, Man City, like after they won the league to us by a point, don't have a season like they did when we won the league. You know what I mean? Nothing is, is guaranteed, but the picture being painted is that next summer is when the investment is, is coming into the team because they'll have the finance, the finances coming in week in, week out. You'll have wankers like me and you going over and putting a few bob into the club shop. And there's going to be millions of wankers doing that every week. <laughs> so yeah, just I'm just buzzing to get the season started. And as like the, the Brazilian lads coming back for pre-season this week and you know, with the two games against Bologna and everyone looking sharp now, I know the goals are only tap-ins now. Minamino has, has looked really sharp pre-season. Harvey Elliott is going to be a superstar. Thiago, I think we'll see the Thiago we saw at the end of his uh, last season with Bayern Munich. I'm not setting myself up here for a, a big fall, but I, I said straight away at the end of the season that this season, we were going to be reinvigorated. The fire was going to be burning again. Mm. And let Chelsea and Man City do what they're doing on the side. Let them go toe-to-toe because they're the only two teams they're worrying about. Tuchel is worrying about Guardiola. Guardiola is looking at Chelsea and bringing in Lukaku. That's their worry. You know, yeah. they're, going to be, they're not going to be worried about Liverpool not, because they're, they're not making signings. I guarantee you that. So if we can just go about our business quietly, mm. like the stealth bomber that we were when we won the league, that, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Awesome. Well, this has been this week's transfer show. Um, absolutely exceptional. We did, we did say it would heat up. Um, as always, just reminding you, the Monday mashup returns this Monday. Um, the lads are all fired up about it. I've been talking to a few of them that don't have it back. They've missed it over the summer. Going um, to give everyone dogs abuse. Absolutely. Um, so head over to YouTube, Dynamo Podcast Network, <coughs> smash that subscribe and bell notification button because this season is going to be exceptional and these shows are going to be off the scale. As always, audio versions of the show, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you pick up audio versions of your show. Drop your comments down below on some of the signings, what you think, what's happening with your team. Let us know. If you want to be a part of the Monday mashup, you can also hit us up. We're always looking for guys to come on and guests representing teams, especially in the top six or outside. Or girls, yeah, absolutely. Everyone is welcome. Um, And if you'd like to contact the show on Twitter, at the underscore upper underscore tier, the upper tier on Facebook, the upper tier on Instagram. We will chat to you again next week as this kettle continues to boil. Cheers, Dean. Always a pleasure. Never a chore.